Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey everyone, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I am your host, Dr. Darren Peppard, and my guest on today's podcast is Zandra Jo Galvan. Zandra is the superintendent of Greenfield Union School District in Greenfield, California. And I'll tell you, if you've ever had an opportunity to spend time around her, either in person or digitally, man, she is one of the most energetic people you will ever, ever meet. I sat down with Zandra earlier this week and we had an incredible conversation. In this conversation, she shared the most powerful story about being a little girl who grew up in the district she is now superintendent and a story about a conversation she had with a teacher that really helped to shape the trajectory of where she is and how she is now paying that forward every day for all kids in Greenfield Union School District. Xander is a leader, she's a storyteller, she's an energy bringer, and she is truly a champion for kids. I can't wait to share this interview with you, but first, a quick word from Road to Awesome. Have you ever found yourself in professional development thinking, how is this supposed to help me be a better leader? Folks, PD for Leaders needs to focus on leadership. Introducing High Performance Leadership Teams, a two-day workshop from Road to Awesome. In this two-day workshop, we focus on getting the team very clear on their shared values, direction, and mission getting to know the house and understanding the strengths that each of us bring to the table and how we best leverage those. We focus on how we go about getting the work done. We focus on team dynamics and we focus on how it is that we continue to evolve together as a team. Hey, right now, it's a tough time to be a leader and it's really difficult to grow together as a leadership team unless you're intentional. High Performance Leadership Teams is exactly that, an opportunity to be very intentional about your team. Hey, leaders, I want to work with your team. I want to help set you up for success. Send me an email at darrenmpeppard at roadtoawesome.net or shoot me a direct message on social media. Let's get your leadership team on the road to awesome with High Performance Leadership Teams. All right, we've now heard from Road to Awesome, and let's just keep the awesome rolling with this incredible interview with Zandra Joe Galvan. Enjoy. All right, Zandra, thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning into Leadership podcast. It is really a thrill to have you here. It's so exciting to finally get to meet you and have a conversation with you. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited to meet you, Darren. Hope one day we'll get to meet in person, but I'm honored to be here with you and just admire the work that you lead. Oh, well, I really appreciate it. I really admire the work that you're doing in your school district right now. This is, man, what a crazy time to be a leader. And, you know, the uh, some of the things you and I talked about before we, before we hit the record button, um, just 
you know, really leaning into those relationships and, and keeping your people going. And I know we're going to talk about that more later, but, um, that was, that was exciting to hear, uh, kind of backstage and, uh, definitely look forward to you sharing that with, uh, with the listeners of the leading into leadership podcast. So, um, before we, you know, before we go real deep into some of that stuff for my listeners who don't know who you are, um, Tell them a little bit about you, a little bit about uh, the role you're in, what you're doing right now, some of that kind of stuff. All right, cool. So um, I am the proud superintendent of the Greenfield Union School District on the central coast of California in Monterey County. Super honored to be a superintendent of a district that I grew up in. So I was a little girl coming through these schools, walking down these streets, you know, walking to the park, walking to the library as a kid. So it just means a tremendous amount of just honor to be able to serve a community that I adore. I adore every facet of this community. Uh, we're not a huge town. We only have 18,000 people, so it's, it's not huge, uh, but it is mighty in heart and just really given. And so I grew up here, absolutely, but my parents are from West Texas. And so all of my family are Texans um, and the Bible Belt of Snyder, Texas, if you know where that's up, up you know, up on the, nice. the panhandle there, yeah. And so I am the baby of six, go figure, right? So I am a little bit out there and you know, loud and proud because they all grew up together and then all of a sudden here comes Zanny, the little baby, nine years later. Um, and so I had to kind of navigate through life on my own, but not without the love and support of five older siblings. Uh, my mom and dad are still around, so I love that they they just live down the street. We bought a house for them to be close to our babies. Um, and so my dad happens, he's going to be turned 90 next month, and my mom's wow. going to be 87. And so sh- uh, truly um, the relationship piece that you mentioned, just the loving of all that, my background is totally family. Um, we're so close as a family, um, love on each other, and just the personalities that we've kind of inherited comes from that, just loving also church, you know, a lot of church in our background in terms of like First Southern Baptist in Texas, but um, all of that just makes us good humans. And that's what we bring to um, our, our, our leadership roles. I think that's outstanding. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that, you know, you talk about, you know, loving on each other and, and about family. And I think that's something yes. that clearly, clearly exists in the work that you do. I mean, uh, people who are listening to the podcast won't get to see the photo, but uh, or the video rather. But um, behind you right now are streamers <laughs> hanging in your office over your "All Means All" poster, and I know that that's related to a celebration that you guys had in your district just a couple of days ago, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I love people, and we just—it's a reciprocal relationship. And so um, my team decorated my office. I just turned. I know, 51, and those listeners, I look like I'm 21, I know, but I am 51, so they decorated my office for my birthday, and it was just just a sweetest thing ever to walk into the office and just feel the love of the people that you serve, um, because I adore them equally as much. Yeah, so they're yeah, streamers. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I know people, you can't you can't see the video, but no, she she looks much more 21 than 51, so we'll, we'll definitely give you that one, Sandra. So, um, so... I, I always think it's really interesting to hear, and you, you've shared a little bit already about you know growing up right there uh, in the district that you now uh, get to serve as the superintendent. 
But I mean, every one of us has this unique journey. Um, you know, for me, it was, I mean, I, I dropped out of college. Yeah, I was, I was out of college for a year and a half before going back and, and ultimately becoming a teacher and, you know, on and on in the, into the leadership roles that, that I had during my public education career. So everybody's got a unique story. Um, talk a little bit about some of your leadership journey, kind of, kind of the origin story of, you know, how you, how you end up in the chair you're sitting in today. Oh my gosh, thanks for asking that. It's just, just, it's so beautiful to have like the experiences that we've had throughout our life and then reflect on them and and wonder like, how did we get here? And so for me, um, little girl growing up in a small town um, with a lot of fight in her, like a lot of fight, a lot of drive. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something with people. always a big personality and you know the kind of the underdog but then also like the person that would save like save others like I remember in town like the kids getting beat up and I would like run and like say no stop you're not gonna do that you know this is the way we're gonna we got to like you know support each other and I wasn't ever clicky um yes I was an athlete yes I was you know um homecoming queen, you know, runner up, number two, but still up there, right? Um, ASB president, um, part of like just the different clubs, but then also part of like the Latino clubs. So I wasn't really cliquish. I want, I got along with everyone. So there, I can't even tell you I had an enemy in high school or in grammar school. Like I didn't, I just talked to everyone and just was like that person to help support. And so growing up in a small town, young girl, just trying to do good. So started off, you know, going to school. I remember in seventh grade, I had a science teacher and he loves this story. I told, you know, him and I got into like a little bit of an argument and, you know, he was trying to, you know, set me straight on something. I said, you know what, Mr. Schmidt, who's your boss? He says, well, the principal's my boss. I said, okay, who's the principal's boss? And he said, well, the superintendent. I said, okay, who's their boss? Well, then he goes, well, that's pretty much, you know, board members. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be a superintendent. Watch me. Mark my words. I'm a seventh grade kid making that decision. I come back, you know, fast forward to five years ago when I came here. He was gone. He had retired, but it was just the joke. Like he said, man, you did it. I knew you would. I knew you would. I knew you'd come (laughs) back. And you were going to, but you could, you were my boss, but you still owe me a lunch. So it's like simple things like that. Then the other thing that made me who I am too in this journey is um, I remember being a fifth grade student, a 10 year old in a class um, on the campus right across the street from here from my office that I can look out the window and I can see it. And my sister, my big sister, um, became a teacher for the first time. She's the oldest. I'm the youngest of a family of six. And she taught. She got a first teaching job that's teaching kindergarten. And I remember during lunchtime when all my friends wanted to go play ball or do something. On, and I said, no, I got to go visit my sister. I got to go see what she's doing in the class. And so as a 10-year-old, I would walk down and she would give me a book and she goes, here, here's Annie. They call me Zanny and my family. Read a book to the kids. I'm like, for real? Like, I get to do that? She's like, yes. And I remember reading a story to kids and just like just captivating their eyes and their hearts and their minds with all the animation. I mean, teaching is performing. If, if anybody says different, it's not, right? It's performing. It's yeah. captivating kids on. And to have five, like 30 five-year-olds eating out of the palm of my hand as a 10-year-old like only doubling their age. And I, I, I fell in love with teaching at that time. Um, and so wanting, like those experiences 
and then going through life. Um, I will tell you though, it wasn't always beautiful. Um, those are some really positive ones, but um, moving into like more like the secondary world and leaving a small town of Greenfield, going to a neighboring high school, it wasn't always the best. Um, Greenfield didn't have the best reputation. You know, uh, we had a lot of, it's a poor community. You know, 95% of our students today are an unduplicated count of students in poverty. And so the perception of people in poverty may mean, you know, to some people that they can't achieve sure. or they can't do much. And so I had a lot of adversity as well. And so I remember going to my high school for the first time as a freshman and, you know, I always had A's, I, a straight A's. I got into the college prep classes, but I remember, you know, teachers not having high expectations for me, which was very disappointing because I had a lot of high expectations for me. I remember going to a community college um, because I didn't even know that universities, I could make it, you know? And again, top athlete, ASB president, all of the activities, straight A's, but a counselor didn't pull me aside and say, hey, you got this girl. Like, let me take you to a university and show you. None of that happened to me. So I did it because I had my big sister as a role model and then myself. And, and I'm a coach at heart. I coach softball. I coach basketball in my life. I, I, you know, I played ball. I played softball in college. I had to do that coaching to myself. And so it's like self-talk that we do um, that I still do today. Um, because as leaders, as superintendents, as positions, you know, like frontline administrators, it's hard to be vulnerable with people. It's really hard because you're not sure how they're going to receive that. But we make mistakes. We fall down. We get back up. But to me, it's like through those beginning stages of my career, I never let anyone stand in my way. I was always that confident girl that said, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, you think I can't go? Like, you only want me to take nine units? You don't think I can take 20 units in college? Like, I'm playing ball. Like, I just came out of high school and I was taking seven periods of class and I was getting straight A's. Like, now you want me to only take three classes? Like, no, I'm not going to listen to you, counselor, at my community college. Like, I got this. Like, I can do this and more. But it was because I had that drive in me. Be it maybe the baby of six. Maybe it was the coaching. Maybe it was the confidence. Maybe it's the loud personality. Um, but I... There's buttons, right? And I'll, I'll just say there's buttons that people can yeah. push on us. And it's our integrity button. Don't ever push my integrity button. Don't ever push my I can't do button. Uh, don't ever tell me that I'm unethical. Um, don't ever tell me that I'm not an authentic leader because I work really hard um, to make sure that I present that um, personality and person to everyone. And so um, I think that's a little bit about my journey. Yes, I've had a lot of positive, yeah. but I also had to have a lot of fight in me. So, uh, first off, it's a, it's an it's an awesome journey, and I, I truly love that. And thank you for sharing it. You hit you hit a couple of things that 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 I want to go a little bit deeper into, and I want to ask you a little bit more about. Um, you talked about when when you left um, Greenfield, and you know we're, we're somewhere else, and then so you you get to hear the outsider's perspective of of that community, your your community where you grew up, and, and obviously where you are yes. again. I think, and and part of this is is part of this is an equity piece where where we're trying to ensure. I mean, the sign right behind your head: all means all. But in addition to that, sometimes a lot of it is mindset. And and eventually, I'll ask a question. I'm I'm, I'm rambling, but because it, it, to me, it really struck a chord. So often, we find in in schools, and this is this is everywhere, a kind of a predisposition in, a, in in an educator's mind or in a person's mind that, well, this kid can do this 
but this kid maybe can't. And and sometimes that has to do with, you know, with poverty or something to do with their parents or something to do with race or something to do with, I mean, fill in the blank, gender. I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. obstacles or barriers that people will put in their head that are not barriers for that individual. So what I, what I want to know or what I want to hear you talk about a little bit is obviously it's clear, you know, you were like, no, not happening. Mm-hmm. I will run through that mm-hmm. wall to prove you wrong. As a leader yeah. now and working with your leaders, because it isn't just you who can do this in Greenfield, how are you changing that mindset so that mm-hmm. there aren't little zannies in fifth grade believing I can't go do that? I think I can, but others don't think I can. How, how are you addressing that? Mm, through culture. Like school, climate, and culture is the money shot. Um, it's that that belief before it even occurs that it's possible. It's putting it in the universe. And so I tell you this because I go to I'm in classrooms every day. Just this morning, I spent two hours um, in classrooms talking to middle school kids and elementary kids. And I take every opportunity to put it in the universe that you're going to college. And I'm going to give you some actions, um, some action-packed um, steps that we take here in Greenfield. Um, number one, I'm point blank with our staff. I tell them, you have to build them up. You have to make sure that they know it's possible. The reason I do so many things that I do today is because I didn't have that when I was a kid here. So I am changing the trajectory of every single student that I serve in this community because it was something that was missing with me. Not because they didn't necessarily believe I could, but maybe the resources weren't there. Well, guess what? We have resources now, and I'm going to make sure that they get as close to kids as possible. Here's an example. We make sure that every single child, we only live an hour and 15 minutes from the Silicon Valley. Google, Apple, Microsoft, the headquarters of everything, the Tesla headquarters are there. All of the things that kids can do when engineering, technology, mathematics, science. Our kids are sharper than sharp, and they just need to have a champion behind them to believe in them. So I'm, built, I'm backwards mapping those skill sets with my team. And so we look at what are the industry sectors that we're, we're producing kids for. If the kids wanted to come back to Greenfield, so be it. If they wanted to work in our local county, tri-county areas, what would it be? Computer science, education, technology, and the healthcare industry. We know they're so tech heavy. And so what did we do? I backwards mapped it all the way down to preschool. We're gonna bring robots into every single class because all means all. Not one kid is gonna get it, not the gate track, not the one, this track, the gifted track only, or the after school program track, no. Every single kid is gonna get that experience because I didn't have it. Um, So we make sure that they're preparing, they're coding, they're building out robots, they're producing them. They're gonna have a huge exposition um, in April where we're inviting our community in to watch just the magnificent, innovative, constructivism, like just the brain power of our kids. And all it takes is to produce an opportunity and put it in front of them and let them take the wheel. Let them fly, let wild horses run, right? Another example, every single student in my district goes to a university every single year because we've mapped it and I tie funding to it. Every single kindergartner goes to my alma mater, the local community college. Why? Because it's only 30 miles away and it's baby bladders. We got to make sure they make it on the bus. We, we, we can't pull over to have to go to the bathroom. So every <laughs> kindergartner goes to our local community college. Every single first grader goes to our next closest university, which is the California State University at Monterey Bay. Heavy in aquatics, heavy in a lot of the marine biology. If that's what they want to do, I'm going to show you that, that avenue. And as well as it's a teacher prep college as well. Um, every single second grader goes to University of California, Santa Cruz. 
I know every single trip because we've built it in to the plan. So if you can dream it, you can believe it, and you can achieve it is the mindset. That's the culture. We also, with the all means all, we never forget our why. Every single have opportunity I tell our people, here's the why behind it. We are breaking kids free from the cycle of poverty. And if we don't do it, no one else will. Every single action is intentional. When I bring in a robot, when I bring in a speaker, when I speak at the career days, when you speak at the career days, when we bring in uh, you know, Supreme Court judges, court officials, lawyers, nurses that have gone through our school system to show our kids that anything is possible if they, if they want to do that. And just... Friday, on my birthday, um, I got to speak at the career day over at our middle school. And middle schoolers, you know, it takes a little bit more. You know this. You're a secondary guy. Um, It takes a little bit more convincing to to tell them that it's possible. But I had some really honest conversations about racism and representation and what they might feel when they leave. And I gave them my firsthand story. I'm a brown girl, but I don't look so dark, right? So with colorism... Um, I had a lot more opportunities than some of my brown, darker-skinned counterparts. It's just a fact that the world that we live in, colorism affects people. And so I said, there are going to be some gatekeepers in your life that are going to maybe tell you that you can't. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, yes, I can. Call my superintendent. She's going to back me up on this. Call my teacher. She's going to back me up on this. I absolutely deserve a seat at the table. I absolutely can achieve. I absolutely can take that calculus class. Don't put me in remedial math. Give me, an, a, give me a baseline assessment before you put me and you think that my last name is going to predetermine my success or my zip code from the community that I come from because I am highly capable. And I told them just like that. And they were like, whoa, really? I said, you're going to remember this. And when you go out into the world and somebody tries to tell you no, you're going to remember this conversation and you're going to tell them, uh-uh, I am absolutely going to be able to achieve because you are me and I am you. And that's the story I get to tell every single time I walk into classrooms. And I'm so proud of that. And I never take that lightly. That is just outstanding. I love that so very much. I, um, I do know middle school well. Actually, my first five years uh, <laughs> as a teacher, I, t- I taught middle school science. Oh, and, uh, God bless you. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, sometimes I say I served five years at, at the middle school level yes. uh, before, <laughs> before, before moving on to, to high school. But um, but you're right. And, you know, the thing about those middle school kids is that's going to be imprinted on them. And, and just like your story from middle school of the teacher who, yeah. you know, hey, who's your boss? Who's their boss? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to be the superintendent <laughs> yeah. that imprinted on him. But same thing on you. The same thing's going to happen, too. I mean, it, that's 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 yeah, your sure. bamboo that somewhere later a kid is going to say, you know, I'll never forget the day you said this. And I took that challenge. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, every kid, you said it yourself, every kid needs a champion. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's just simply reminding them and supporting them and loving them and letting them know, hey, anything is possible. And I love how you guys have, have mapped this. I mean, this is just absolutely exceptional, exquisite leadership to be so intentional about putting it all right there. And, you know, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't just for this group of kids. This is... This is all of our kids. And I would I would yeah. think, I don't yeah. know if it's true or not, but people should be lining up to get their kids into your district. Uh, we have really changed the, the face and the actions behind it. And I'll tell you one more thing that I'm super proud of is the master schedule, too. Um, when I first came um, back to Greenfield, because, you know, I grew up here, um, we had a master schedule at the secondary level that had 
extended studies. What was that? It was fluff for study hall. We had some really basic remedial classes. Like in a high school, California A3G approved, none of them would be A3G approved. None of them would get you closer to a university. We have flipped that in my second year. We flipped it all. And again, like I'm going to tell you, I had some adversity. Like I had parents lining up at board meetings saying, don't do that. I want my elite kids to be with the elite kids. And I said, your kids don't have to suffer for other kids to win. We can all win. And so that was the speech I kept telling him. So today, um, fast forward, you know, four years ago to today, here's what we offer on our master schedule. Medical detectives, green architecture, robotics and design, digital animation and arts. We offer these robust courses that would absolutely be college credit worth um, on the wheel at a high school going into post-secondary. So I'm super proud of that because I put my money where my mouth is. I, if we're going to use the dollars, we got to get it as close to kids. And anytime teachers need equipment, I mean, our, our green architecture, you know, where they're redesigning buildings and such, they've got all the snap-on tools. They've got the load of, of the tools in there at their disposal because we have to. Like, kids need to have intentional um, outcomes for what they're doing in our classrooms. Absolutely. Yeah, without question. And, and and this is another one of those areas. I mean, you know, this is the first conversation you and I have actually ever had. Um, and so even though we talked about a lot of this stuff, you know, but before we hit yeah. record, um, you know, everything to do with, especially at the high school level as a high school principal, um, man, just doing everything we could do. And for us, it was creating career academies, actually coming to California and seeing what some great schools Excellent. were doing and getting our kids in with professionals, giving them the opportunity to yes. learn. I mean, and my own daughter had a chance to go through uh, one of the health or one of the academies we created, our Health Occupations Academy. She's not in healthcare, but what she learned was she didn't want to be in healthcare, and that is just as oh. important as it is Absolutely. for the kid who, you know, I know I want to be an engineer. I'm going to go through this particular pathway. I'm going to I'm going to go into the green green construction because that's an area I want to be, and I'm going to learn yeah. more. Sometimes, sometimes kids get into those spaces. I think it's I think it's why I dropped out of college. You know, I went in thinking, hey, yeah. I wanna be a I wanna be a physical therapist and discovered very quick and now nah, this isn't what I want and I was lost. So what you're doing for kids right now, so intentionally designed, is you're getting them ready for when they finish high school, they already know the answer to what are you mm -hmm. doing next? You know, not what are you going to be because that evolves. I mean, holy cow, that evolves year after year after year for, for everybody, even for me. But yeah. what's next? I just, I, I know I'm editorializing and I'm kind of telling some of your story too, but that's all right because that is, to me, that is so critical for kids. It's just so important. Again, just incredible leadership. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So there's a couple more things I want to get into before, uh, before we wrap up. Um, one, and you mentioned this when, when you were telling some of your origin story, um, you mentioned being part of uh, the Latino Club. And that is something that has certainly carried forward for you in the role mm -hmm. you're in now working with, um, and I, I, I won't try to say the name of the group because I'm sure I'll get it wrong, but I know it's a Latino superintendents <laughs> group in California. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I happen to be the president for the next couple years here of CALSA. So CALSA is the California Association of La Latino, Latina, Latinx 
superintendents and administrators. And so it's been around over 20 years. Um, I get to be the president. Um, I just started my term in July, so I, I term out July of 2023. And it's just an incredible honor. Our vision and our mission for that organization is to um, increase the number of Latin administrators and superintendents within our great state. It also is our vision and mission to ensure that students of Latin descent um, make it into the post-secondary world and stay and graduate. So twofold mission. And we never take lightly um, those who have come before us. We all have a story in the struggles that our ancestors had to endure for us to have a seat at the table. And so I just um, ended last um, weekend. We were in San Diego, California for one of our annual, we have two signature conferences, one in the in January, one in July, and I got to emcee that whole event and just really embrace about 300 people that came um, that just, we hadn't been together for a couple years uh, due to the pandemic, and just the sisterhood, the brotherhood, we were all in our own districts trying to do good work to help support the, the students that we serve, and most of our districts are predominantly Latin. So like in my district, we've got about 97% Latino um, in my school district. And so many represent large groupings of that. And our mission is to make sure that our students succeed. Um, many are, my district is from Mexico. Most of them come across the border and they, you know, work in the fields. We're a very ag community, you know, the lettuce, the broccoli, the grapes of the world, you know, you come from the Salinas Valley, which is where I'm centrally located. And again, two things with that, our parents trust us incredibly in the country of Mexico, a teacher is elevated even higher than a doctor, a lawyer, or any other profession. And so that is a huge responsibility to make sure that we support our communities to that degree. But then also to give back to our ancestors. Like my parents were born in Texas, but my grandparents came from Mexico. And so I know it wasn't easy for them to cross the border and to get here um, to seek a better life for me and those that we were going to serve afterwards. And so I can't make mistakes. Like I can't not be a role model. I can't um, take this job lightly or do something that would damage or hurt my family. Like that's how serious it is to me. Um, when I leave the house, I represent my family. Um, I'm Galvan by marriage, but I'm a Zamora um, by family. And I can't not do good work. Um, again, I'm a baby of six, and so also with my brothers and sisters, I make them very proud every day to be able to be the superintendent of a community that we grew up in. And again, you know, representing my Latino culture is so incredibly, um, it's an honor. And so through that, through that organization and me being able to lead it, I get to be the face of making sure that everyone leads that way, to making sure that we all give back to our community. And right now there's a big movement with Representation Matters. It absolutely does. Representation Matters, um, kids seeing a brown girl leading their district and 98% of them are brown, that makes a difference to them. Um, seeing that I speak Spanish and they speak Spanish, they're not afraid to speak Spanish. They're not ashamed of speaking Spanish. It's actually an asset. Um, but I will say this, Representation Matters only to the degree of what you do it, what you do with it. I cannot be a brown girl in this position and say I've made it and do nothing with that brownness. Like I have to make sure that my actions really truly represent how I want my culture to aspire, to achieve, to thrive in the world. And never do I take that for granted.
Oh, that's outstanding. I love that. Oh, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sh- for sharing that part. I, I really yeah. um, that was something when when you mentioned that I you know I, I knew I was I was aware to an extent you know that you were involved in in that, but uh, I really appreciate you know again that leadership. I mean it's. Um, you know, the podcast is all about leadership and it's, you're just crushing leadership yeah. from so many different ways. And, and, and so I'll share this one too. So, um, folks, if you, if you don't follow Zandra on social media, you absolutely have to her, all of her social mm-hmm. media handles will be in the show notes, but please make sure you do because you're going to get everything from the morning workout to what's happening <laughs> in in Greenfield School District and the other things that, that Xander's doing away from the district while out representing the district. And what I, what I really want to get to with, with that is um, you do such an incredible job of telling the story of your district and of celebrating and being such a positive role model, not just for the people in your community, but, uh, but for the entire you know, PLN on on Twitter, you just do some really incredible stuff, and so I'm curious as as a leader inside your district. Let's let's focus inside the the walls of your district, inside inside your community. Let's be honest. Right now, it is a tough time to be a leader, and it, and you could very easily feel beaten down. You know, when whether it's you know masks versus no masks, vax versus no vax, red versus blue, elephant versus donkey. I mean. <laughs> on and on and on, right? You know, it can suck the life out of you, but that does not seem to be the Xander that I see through social media. But again, back inside the walls, how how do you stay and maintain that positive and continue to build and and, and reinforce that positive culture and climate in your district? Yeah, so I'll just start with um, kids for sure. Um, being in classrooms every day is my saving grace because I never forget my North Star, you know, why we do what we do. Um, also, really important to lean in on the science. Uh, so incredibly important. Uh, I will champion masking any day of the week when it's going to save student lives. Um, we have had grandparents pass away. We've had parents die um, fortunately, we haven't had a staff member, but we've had spouses of staff members die to COVID. Um, so it's a true reality. And until you've experienced it, until you've had COVID or someone has died in your family, you don't understand. So I don't need to hear that, you know, it's violating your rights. Like, you know what, your, your rights are going to be really violated if you pass away. And so science is is my North Star also in terms of making sure that I do whatever I can to protect the GUSD family. We have a hashtag, protect the GUSD family. And I started back on March 13th, way back when, um, when we went off, um, I am very relationship driven and um, stakeholder driven and making sure that people who are affected have a voice. So I quickly put together a reopening task force with my assistant superintendent, Ms. Cortez. And we brought together uh, a 75 member body of parents, community members, teachers, classified labor partners, um, and board members. We had a couple on there as well. And we dialogued about all the things that we know we needed to have in place in order for us to reopen our schools safely. Okay, we had just gone out. And so I worked out of the concentric circles. And so I talked to, first I talked to my board and I let them know, here's what's going to happen. We're not coming back. We need to figure out how we're going to make sure learning still occurs and that everyone's safe and healthy. 
From there, I went to my administrative team and I said, okay, guys, here's what's going to happen. Teachers don't know it yet, but they're not coming back on Monday. And everybody's going to be in a psychological tizzy. They are, they're not even going to be able to think about the lessons that they need to give the kids. They need to feel loved and protected and that they're going to be safe within our four walls. And so that's really important. So we need to lean in on our emotional intelligence. So much to the fact that I had a book study with my admin team about EQ and how important that is to be empathetic and to understand. Then I went to our labor partners immediately, all in the same day. I talked to the board. I talked to the admin. I pulled in labor partners and I said, labor, um, presidents of our unions, here's what's going to happen. I need you to know that kids are not coming back on Monday and you probably aren't either. So let's talk about how do we put this body together, this reopening task force, to talk through some really specific things. We talked about family engagement. We talked about nutrition. How are we going to keep our community fed? I told you already we were 95% underplicated count of students in poverty. If we didn't give them food, they weren't going to get a meal. Uh, we talked about the instructional methods and what was going to be allowed by our governor and our um, state superintendent. We talked about health independently of safety because our spaces needed to be safe as well as our health when it came to screening and making sure people are gonna be taken care of. And mind you, there was no vaccine. So this was just gonna be running rampant in our community. And so all of those areas, and then we had one more, we had six categories. The last category was social emotional learning and wellness. How are we gonna take care of our people before we had them preparing lessons? And so we quickly leaned on our core values in Greenfield and really thinking about, and a lot of this was already in motion. So pre, post, during pandemic didn't matter. We had our true vision and mission for Greenfield because I had done that heavy lifting with our teams prior to the pandemic. So we have a strategic plan, we have a vision, we have a mission, we have core values. We have specific core values that our board um, has you know, outlined for us together. We collaborate on those. And a couple of those are simple. We will not let each other fail. One of our core values, we will take collective responsibility for uh, the success of every student. Uh, another one is we will nurture and inspire the gifts that students bring to us. So there are very simple core values that I can rattle off, you know, quickly because it's just yeah. our internal belief system. And so with that pandemic hits, we lean on that. Okay, guys, it's all right. Let's just pause. This is, this is temporary. It's not going to last forever. At that time, we thought it was only going to last two weeks. I know. It's, we're two years later, and it's, we're still in the middle of it. But right. it's okay, yeah. right? It's okay because our teacher teams, they lean on each other all the time. So that is why I've been able to successfully navigate the pandemic, and I still come to work with a smile on our fa my face. And others do, too, when I visit them, is because we're in it together. Like, we're not going to let each other fail any new legislation or any new assembly bill or any new um, mandate that the governor throws at it, it's okay. We're going to figure it out together because I meet with labor every other week. I meet with my admin team every other week. I meet with my board almost every um, week or so too. And, you know, there's nothing that we can't, you know, challenge and take on together when you have that culture. And so that's been the success of really being able to navigate through um, this pandemic. You know, I think you hit one one of the you hit a lot of great things there, but I think you know the consistency that I have seen throughout the country, the the districts that have been the most successful through this process leaned on their culture, and you know when you've mm -hmm. got that culture in place and you've been very intentional and very deliberate, like you have with continuing to build that culture, um, that's something that's just it's critical and it and it gets you through these times. So. 
Um, mm-hmm. So c- congratulations on that. So mm-hmm. so final question um, for you. I mean, I, I'd love to just sit and talk for like another two or three hours, but I'm sure people <laughs> who, you know, people who are listening, you know, like, okay, I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting to go into work now. Can you guys please wrap this up? Um, <laughs> so... So again, you know, the, the title of the podcast is Leaning into Leadership. So so same final question for every guest and take this where you want to go. But Xandra, right now, how are you leaning into leadership? Oh, wow. So many things. I um I want to start with just the servant leadership. Servant leadership, authentic leadership. I'll go with those two. Um first it's a it's I'm a giver. So I'm going to start with servant leadership. I'm leaning into leadership and building networks to groom the next generation. I love helping others bring their best self to the table. Um, I get the, I have the honor of mentoring um, at, the, at the national level with AASA, the National Superintendent Association. I get to mentor um, the next generation of superintendents, whether it's their first year on the job or if they are aspiring to do that. Um, I was just asked this year for a new um, aspiring leadership that AASA put out for the Latino leadership. So I get to also support um, culturally people who just, um, I want them to do good work and represent our, our, our race <laughs> well. Um, also, leaning in on circles whenever I have an opportunity. I have, I'm part of many sister circles that help and support each other. And so I... Don't kid you if like anyone listening to this podcast wants to just, you know, direct message me on Twitter and they want to do a mock interview or they want to ask a question or they want to just like chat with me. Like I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond because I know that's important for us to make sure that um, the next generation has a champion in their corner, too. Um, And for females in particularly all people, but for females in particularly leadership matters when it comes to um challenging the imposter syndrome, challenging the intersectionality that list that that exists. And women in particular are our worst enemy when we think that we can't do it. We kill ourselves. We sa- we self-sabotage opportunities because we think we can um can't do it or that we aren't enough. And so leadership to me and leaning in on that is about making sure that people do feel that they can do it and they can apply. And I'm going to help you achieve that. And so that's the first part about leadership. And then the second part is authentic leadership. Um, Don't change who you are when you become a superintendent. Don't change who you are when you become a principal. Don't change who you are um, when you're an advocate for like uh, curriculum and instruction. Um, Funny story for me is I still send emails in pink font. I love hot pink. That's one of my favorite colors. Um, when I was a teacher, <laughs> when I was a coach, I would write. Yeah, I would write my emails with pink font. I still do it today. Like no one is going to change me as a leader because once you take away my authenticity, I have nothing. I have nothing left, and then I'm a fraud. So, I also want to share with the authentic leadership. I still teach teachers. I my like jam is professional development. I love teaching. And so I still on Saturdays after school, I beg my assistant soup, let me teach a class. And she says, okay, boss, you can teach a class. So I still show up on Saturdays for Saturday academies with new teachers and veteran teachers, um, even on you know professional development opportunities. And I teach them because that keeps me as close to the classroom as possible with that authentic leadership. So for me, 
Leaning into leadership is being true to yourself and don't change a title. Like a title should never change a human. Um, it should be your actions and the, the way you serve and lead that should truly make you you. That's outstanding. I love, love, love mm-hmm. that answer so very much. And honestly, just love this entire interview. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra, for uh-huh. being a part uh, and being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. It was an absolute blast. Oh, my pleasure, Darren. Love you, my brother. <laughs> Man, what an amazing conversation that one was. I really appreciate Zandra being on the Leading Into Leadership podcast. And, you know, the more I've reflected since we actually recorded that interview, the more I just think about some of the incredibly powerful things that Zandra had to say. Takeaways, folks, that we should have from that interview are things like kids really need a champion behind them that reminds them on a regular basis what they are capable of doing. Zandra calls it putting possible in the universe. And I'm going to come back to that in a couple of minutes with the pep talk. But think about how deliberate she has been in backward mapping everything, the entire experience that a student has, every student has at Greenfield Union School District is mapped out and it's intentionally planned. She ties funding to it. I mean, it's all about breaking kids free of the cycle of poverty in her district. I love the collective core values that she talked about with that collective responsibility that every kid is everybody's responsibility and that it's our job to grow the next generation. Once again, thank you, Zandra, for being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. You are a blessing to education, and I'm honored to call you my friend. Thank you so very much. And now it's time for a pep talk. I want to go back again to what Zandra said about putting possible in the universe. We've all had those moments in our life where maybe somebody felt we weren't capable of doing something. Or maybe it's even us who think, you know, that's not for people like me. You know, I don't get to achieve at that level. I don't get to have that job. I don't whatever. But you know, the more we continue to put possible in the universe by that positive self-talk for ourselves, as well as positive talk for our students and for the people that we surround ourselves with, the more that possible becomes a reality. I love the phrase putting possible in the universe because it just reinforces that mindset is critical. Folks, as educators, we can never, ever, ever sell a student short based on their demographics, based on their zip code, based on what their sibling was like. And I know we're all guilty of it, but we got to fight through that. We have to put possible in the universe just like Xandra does each and every day in Greenfield. She is an incredible lesson for all of us. That's your pep talk for this week. Get out there. That's the challenge. Change the mindset. Put possible into the universe for each and every kid that you work with every single day. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. What a wonderful episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning 
into leadership.